And welcome back to another episode, number 18, this is, of Joe and Matt having a chat. Um, we've got a few guests on today. Um, it's going to be quite a controversial one today because we're going to talk about what's kind of what's wrong with the fitness industry in our opinions. So we could see what he says, um, just have a little chit-chat from them. But as always, joined by my co-host, Joe, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Had a lovely weekend away. I'm back on the grind today. Very good. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Maybe I'm not with the football, but you know, ignore that. Uh, we'll pass. Of course, being a United fan, 5 0 loss. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. But, you know, fun and games, isn't it? Apparently. Hey, look, I've <laughs> witnessed not one, but two 9 0 defeats in my time. So if you feel better, if you need to feel better about that, just. Yeah, it reassures me a bit, um, I guess. It is. Well, I, I guess today isn't the football. He's not, he's not really a football fan, are you? Not really. No, no. Oh, well, you've kind of heard I'll him. Play it on a, I'll play it on the pitch. Yeah, quick fiver side. Uh, so today's guest is Coach Michael Hayward. Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Um, busy, busy week last week. Busy day today. Um, but yeah, no, I'm right. Know, might not know who you are. What is it you do for a living? I'm a personal trainer and nutrition coach. Um, I am an SNC coach as well. Um, yeah. And if you had to describe what you do without saying the words such as personal trainer, coach, fitness, how would you describe what you do on a day to day? Um, help change people's lives. Simple oh. as that. Mentally, yeah. physically. I definitely would have said I get people to move weights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tell people what to put in their mouth. I tell them to pick this heavy thing up, pick it up, put it back down again a few times in different ways. You go yeah, no, I just. I just go straight in there and change people's lives. Definitely pre-plan that. So, just quickly, Matt, have you hit 100 kilos on the bench press yet? Uh, I haven't actually attempted it yet, oh. um, but that 97's, 97 and a half's still there, just ready, ready yeah. for the big day. And then the to you. Uh, <laughs> Michael, uh, what's your bench press? Uh, 97 and a half. Oh. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you guys. Oh, that's cute. That, that's Twinning, some... mate. I'll have to get 100 now. I'm going to try it tomorrow. You guys. That's it. I'm going straight in. Bench press tomorrow. Yeah. I can't wait for one of you to text me going, so I'll detach my pec. <laughs> yeah. So you, you said you've been a P, you are a PT. How long have you been a PT for? Uh, personal training now for, well, it'll be coming up. Well, it's just over two years. So we're coming up two and a half years now. Okay. Um, actually been been working as a personal trainer. And how have Qualified you seen- three years ago. And how have you seen the industry change over the last two years as being a PT? Uh, well, in, in many ways, many ways, to be, to, to be honest. Um, I just go back to before I was even a PT. I was one of, these, one of these guys that wanted to train every day of the week, doing every muscle group on separate days, spending an hour doing biceps. And then obviously over the last two years, We've had a lot of a lot of COVID restrictions coming into play in lockdown, and there seems to be this huge shift of home workouts taking precedent, banded stuff. You don't need to go to the gym; you can do everything at home. And then you're coming out of that, and you think nobody wants to go to the gym anymore because they've all bought into this less train at home scenario, and then it's trying to get people to understand it. So it's changed quite a lot in the last two years. Um, but I, I, w- I wouldn't put that solely down to the fitness industry, but they have played a huge part in it. Mm. 
I guess that's no different to people working from home now, whereas before the idea of working from home five days a week was frowned upon by employers. Now it's proved that it can be done and they actually actively encourage it as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's probably the same same across with a lot of industries. Obviously, the three of us didn't really do much work from home. It was all one, the gyms are shut, we don't work. Yeah. But now the gyms are open, we're able to come back in and do a little bit more. Yeah, it's just trying to encourage people back into, into what's going to work for them. People often buy into something that they see. And again, you know, this covers this covers what's wrong with the fitness industry. Um, it, it sums it up in a whole. Um, people buy into what they see, not necessarily what they need. Um, and that, that itself is a big issue. So are you saying that the biggest thing that you think is wrong with the fitness industry, fitness industry at the moment is that people see something online and think it's one thing, but in reality it's something else? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's never, things aren't always as they seem. Um, but the, the biggest problem in, in the fitness industry is you see something being done, you go and do it yourself without any cause of concern of, of whether it's right or wrong. But then you think it looks good, so you do it anyway. So, you know. I guess examples of that could be doing your, I saw someone recently on a stair master with a resistance band around their legs. I couldn't, wow. I couldn't wrap my head around what was going on there. Like, I think yeah. I'm pretty clued up on, on exercise. I get why you have a resistance band on, on certain things, but to have one round your legs, they were walking up the stairs normally, not just they were going side on. Yeah. It was just, unless they were trying to really strengthen up their hip flexors, I'm not really sure what was going on. Michael, you're the professional here. I was hoping. I mean, you know, to that. you're buying people that do that are bought into what they see. You know, you see somebody on Instagram, Facebook, social media, any platform out there performing an exercise. So, you know, as we're saying, on a Stairmaster with a resistance band around their thighs walking normally, what benefit does it have? They have a no research done into that whatsoever. But the person they see doing it has, you know, some really nice glutes. They've worked hard. They've probably learned how to squat properly and deadlift. And they've actually done some good exercise and then gone, I know I'll do. I'll sell this. You know, booty bands, they serve a purpose in the gym, not on a Stairmaster. You know, so again, that is a problem in the fitness industry. So another thing I've seen, which maybe you can help, maybe the two of you can help clear up a little bit, is doing a tire flip with a chain around your neck. That's just that's just going to go wrong. You're just kind of waiting for the, the chain to hit you on the head or something. Or your other head. Or yeah, the other head. Yeah, well said there, Joe. <laughs> Swinging that one. Uh, yeah, again, it's it's people buying into something that they see being done. They think it's cool. They don't understand why. Um, I was actually having this conversation with a client the other day who, you know, questioned the fact, why do I need to, why do I need to know this stuff? Um, but not when they don't have a trainer. And you think, well, if you want to go get educated by the guy who lifts weights, has no education, fine. He's learned it his way. He's probably injured himself along the way. But if you want to take advice of somebody that's educated, just think about why they're educated, why they want to do it. You know, there's a reason I've educated myself and what I do. And I'm, you know, further furthering my education again next year, going into movement, biomechanics, you know, really want to study and focus that stuff. But people don't understand why, you know, they just want to go and see what's being done, do it themselves. Oh, that, that worked. I'll do it again, you know. So Matt, you work yeah. at a more commercial gym, obviously mm-hmm. the gym 
James Michael and I both work at are they're not they're not not commercial, but they're a bit more warehouse feel, a bit a bit smaller. And you probably see less, I'd like to say less weird stuff, although I've definitely seen some things in my time at, at Fivo. But do you see any things that or a common theme at the gym you work at? Uh you see the odd thing, you kind of wonder where they've learned to do it. Like one thing, and I've seen it a few times on like the assisted pull-up machine, where someone they start to pull their arms and suddenly they just wank their knees up. Oh yeah. And you kind of go. And the leg crunch yeah. pull up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a few people that way you kind of you try and help them correct them, but I'll try this next day. No, nope, they're still doing it. And you kind of people don't always want to be told they're doing it wrong, even though it's going to benefit them. If it's you know that's their way they're doing it, they don't want to listen to you because even though it's not made any difference to them physically, they, that's the way they got used to doing it. So if someone's breaking the habit is a challenge, I think, with a lot of places. Yeah. Do you guys find obviously looking around the group now, we're in, we're in good shape, but we're not the biggest of personal trainers. Compare yourself to the other people. Have you ever found in the past that people are less likely to listen to you purely based on how you look? <clears throat> Uh, oh yeah yeah i think it's easy to say you kind of you should look a certain way to be a pt or this and that and the way i always kind of say it is when 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 wayne rooney scored that bicycle kick against man city fergie wasn't doing it the night before and then training round. you can teach people to do stuff but it doesn't make a difference what the coach looks or can do themselves you can teach someone how to do it it shouldn't reflect on how you are yeah so Six-pack sell, right? Yeah. But what is that six-pack selling? Good nutrition, structured lifestyle, steroids, commitment, <laughs> dedication, steroids. You know, the fitness industry is, is, is a humongous place to be, right? And it covers from football to the NFL to basketball in sports, but then it comes down to the general pop people as well. And it's like you say, people buy from what they see. If you're telling someone to do an assisted pull-up, you're not showing them. They're not buying from you. It's words. They can't buy into words, right? So they have to buy into visuals. Go do a video, post it on Instagram, get a thousand views. Next thing you know, that person's doing it because they've seen it, right? Mm. Six-pack sell. The guy who's gone for the photo shoot that stuck his ass, you know, stuck steroids in his ass for six months, got in fantastic shape, had a photo shoot done, now has 30 clients that have no physical or no idea how he got there because he's lying to them, that sells, right? So again, people buy from what they see. You look at the best weightlifting coaches in the world, they're not in shape, right? Chinese weightlifting coaches, they're small, short, fat, overweight and old, right? But you look at the weightlifters, they're in incredible shape, strong as fuck, and can perform an exercise to elite level. You know, Australian strength coach, he's dropped 12 kilos in body weight because he was out of shape and out of breath whilst coaching. So he's lost weight and now his coaching's got better. But he's coached, what's his name, Thor yeah. Johnson? Coach, coach Hathor to the world record. Well, yeah, he coached him to the world record, right? But he wasn't in incredible shape at the time he'd done that. So, yeah, people buy from what they see. So, and of course, if you're not in, in, in great shape, people are less likely to listen to you because they think to themselves, oh, how does this guy know? Not the five years of education that you've done or the three years at university or whatnot or the money you've spent. They see the shape you're in. So do you think that a personal trainer should look a certain way? No. 
I think they should be practicing what they preach, but they don't necessarily have to have a six pack to sell. You know, so, I have never had a six pack in my whole entire fitness career. You know, from playing sports, from doing taekwondo at the age of seven, all the way up to now, I still don't have a six pack, and I never have because it's not something I've specifically worked towards. My nutrition, I enjoy food, right? If I wanted to, I could. I don't. I live a happy lifestyle. Balanced is great. You know, that doesn't mean I can't sell my services, but people are less likely to listen to me over the guy who's got a six pack and six steroids in his arm. So if you're, do you mention that you sometimes put videos up of ways to get across a message you're trying to say? Trying to say? Is there any, any other methods you'd recommend to maybe PTs listening who are trying to get their point across to people that might not listen to them in the first place? Demonstrate. Show somebody how it's done. You know, if you can't get somebody to change through words, show them. If they then can't see how it's done while you stood next to them, send them a video. Tell them to research it. You know, there's so many things out there. Um, and take True Coach for an example, software that, that many coaches use now to, to, you know, to give their services to their clients online. Some of the exercise videos on there are questionable, right? Some of them that I've sent to my clients, I say, just ignore the video. I'm going to show you how to do it properly, the way that I've been taught, the way that I've been shown and stayed injury-free. They then listen to what I do, but they can see the difference between myself and a video that's been done many years ago. You know, things change over time. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if, you know, if there are any other PTs listening, hopefully there are. Show somebody how to do something. Don't just tell them. You know, one thing that I've learned is people will always visualize and they learn better by looking at something being done and then they can understand it. So, you know, put some cues in there, coaching cues. If a coaching cue doesn't work, change it, work it out, think about it. What is going to make it better? So apart from practicing what you preach, what else do you think makes a good coach? That's a good question. That's a good question. And we've discussed this before. Communication skills, number one, how you talk to people. Um, everybody's different. Um, and again, in the fitness industry, people seem to think that one size fits all. You know, um, you take a bodybuilding coach, generally they'll, they'll think that bodybuilding is the best way. You take a CrossFit athlete or a CrossFit coach, they'll think that CrossFit's the best way. There is no one size fits all method for everybody. And how you communicate with people is ultimately going to help how you're going to get people to understand who you are, how you can sell to them um, and how you can actually get them to perform an exercise correctly is all about communication. Um, if you can't talk to people and you've got no confidence in what you're saying, you're not, you're going to struggle, right? You're going to struggle in the industry. Um, from my own experience, it took me, it took me the best part of six months in the first lockdown to actually learn to talk to people, take my own fitness business outside and train somewhere unknown to me with clients where people drive in past well, you know my confidence was knocked every day but i had to i had to be confident in my ability to talk to that client to keep them focused on me and not the guy walking his dog you know to then keep them keep them interacting um communication definitely um education uh, always learning You've got to always be learning um and what's the next step if you're a level three personal trainer and you that's all you want to do fine don't expect to be going big places you know if you want to expand your knowledge go get your level fours in certain areas if go get a niche you know um again practice on what you preach you've got to be able to you know demonstrate something correctly it's all well and good being able to say it why can't you do it as well um three main things there 
that I think probably make a, make a good coach. I think I'd agree with all three of those. Matt, have you got anything that you want to add to that? Um, I think it needs to be yourself as well. And it's kind of, it can be kind of controversial because if you get along with someone, because everyone has different, you know, you, you might get along with some people, you might not get along with others. I think with coaches, sometimes you, you need to enjoy the hour. If you kind of just do an exercise and just stand there for a minute while you're resting, you're not going to kind of enjoy what you're doing. But if you kind of take, we've got five minutes left, first up, we've just started and they've just, they've still worked hard, they've still learned stuff, but they've just enjoyed the time as well. That's a big thing, I think, because you can yeah. stand there and you can easily say, hey, you can have headphones in, but every, every time away, you're going to pause, listen, and put them back on. It's kind of pretty, pretty boring. You need to build a bit of a relationship as well so they can trust you as well. So then it might yeah, trust you they're listening to you more. So you need to enjoy it, both the participant and the coach as well. Otherwise, you won't want to do it for long and you'll burn out and then you'll just, oh, crap, five sessions today. Here we go. Well, I think I think that's something we take for granted as PTs in that if you hate the job, you won't be in it very long. But if you genuinely do enjoy doing it, it doesn't really feel like work. And something I've thought okay. about recently is, you know, you get charged uh, a healthy hourly rate. Well, let's say average 30, 35 pounds. You could do three, three, three sessions and you come down to just under 100 pounds or near enough for three hours work. If you were on minimum wage, You'd have to do a minimum wage is nine pounds, so you'd have to be doing over ten hours to get that same level of pay in a job that you probably hate as well. Mm-hmm. So I think as PTs, the ones that take it for granted will eventually no longer be in the industry. They're not aware of what they're doing. Whereas people that are aware of it, I know I'm aware of it. Sounds like Michael, you're aware of it, and I'm pretty sure Matt's aware of it as well. Once you start to appreciate the job you're doing and how meaningful it can be to others, it suddenly becomes it's not work anymore. And you enjoy doing it, and, and you blink, blink before you know it's just it. A bit of a hobby that you get paid for. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I had this. I, I, sorry, uh, I had this conversation with another PT, fairly new into the industry, the other, uh, not that long ago. Um, yeah, I was chatting to him the other day, and I said to him, "What is this to you? Is it a hobby or a career? You know, if it's a hobby, carry on doing what you're doing. You know, because you sit at home, ninety percent of your day is spent on the Xbox. You come to the gym, you might have one client." You're not pushing your business. You're not actually learning. You're not educating. You're not spending time on the gym floor. You're not doing the things that all these people that are doing to earn a healthy living, to support families, to do what they need to do. It's more of a hobby, right? Is it a career? Yeah. Get out there. Post on social media. Although you don't need to, you need people to notice you. You need to get your name out there. You need to start being on the gym floor. You need to start pushing your business. You need to start focusing. Then it becomes a career. Then it becomes a choice. And it's like you were saying, if you can turn up for work every day, and actually enjoy what you're doing it doesn't feel like work you know i went from when i started i started i had five clients one of which was my mum you know she came to train with me and i actually changed i've changed her life you know I've, I've benefited her gone from that to you know five paid hours a week to 31 paid hours a week and i enjoy every single day i go to work you know it doesn't feel like work to me because I'm, I'm helping people change i'm educating myself i'm reinvesting into what i can do for them and it's no longer a job to me. You know, it's my career, it's my lifestyle, and I enjoy what I do. You know, it went from a quick, easy earner to actually, I don't care about the money. Money's a byproduct, right, of actually helping people. And that's, you know, again, another thing that's wrong with the fitness industry is people think the personal training is a quick buck. You know, get your Kellogg's qualification. Anybody can get one. 
you know, go and help as many people as possible think that you can earn a living as a level three personal trainer. But then you don't understand how to get there, how to help people. You have the things you don't learn on a PT course are incredible. You know, things that you can learn outside of that um, just by learning on, on the job. Yeah, you can learn more in the gym floor than you could have learned on all of your course, really, sometimes. Just yeah, it's easy to kind of say you'll have this client, what would you do with this person, that person? But sometimes just gaining clients, like you said, using social media or being on the gym floor, that can be sometimes the most challenging part for people. They can know what to do, but for them to get the point across, it's gaining that kind of bit of a snowball effect when you get your first clients as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I know some new PTs, they kind of, they struggle with the basics. And Michael, you raised a good point there earlier about being able to communicate. And something I think any good coach should be able to do is have a, have a number of different coaching cues to achieve the same outcome. So if you're trying to do a hip hinge, you should have maybe two, three, four different ways of explaining the hip hinge because chances are one's going to work. In a PT course, they don't teach you how to talk to people. They teach you how to teach, teach basically. And something I've found is helpful is actually coaching others and how to coach because then you realize that you end up coaching them how you'd coach but then saying well that's not working what would you do to try uh, fix that and the only other point i would have made to what i was saying earlier about qualities of a good trainer would be they need to show humility you've got to be willing to learn from anyone and everyone because if you go into the gym and think you're the best you might be the best trainer in that gym but i can guarantee you there's something that you can learn off every single person even if it's down to something as simple as the way they communicate with their clients. Mm. They might have the worst level of service going. If their clients are smiling as they come in and leave, you can learn something from them. Yeah, you can learn, you can there's there's good you can learn good from good people, but you can also learn good from bad people. You learn yeah. what not to do, right? You can learn what to do, what to add in. Like you're saying about coaching cues, it's really, really good to have a bank of coaching cues, right? Because you need to pull those out. And um, I actually learned one when you're saying about the hip hinge for an RDL, for example, you know, you're constantly trying to tell people soften the knees, push your hips back, nice neutral spine position. You know, one of the coaching cues I heard was put your tits on the table. So when you actually think about it logically, all that person's got to do is put their tits on the table, their chest on the table, right? So you can change that. You can adapt it. You're not going to go to a female and say, put your tits on the table. You say, put your chest on the table. But if you've got a client that enjoys a laugh as a bloke or, or whatever, you can say to them a jokey comment that's going to get them into the correct position. And it works every time. Yeah. But that's not necessarily going to work with everybody. So how you have the bank of cues that you can use, you know, it's, it's having those qualities as a coach, which will then take you further in your career. But they will also leave the hobbyists behind. It's almost because you know, they won't have that. Yeah, it's, it's not, not, it's kind of making an exercise more simple for people that don't know it already. So, for example, like a tricep pushdown, I always say to my clients, you're, you're a T Rex. Straight away, you kind of think there. So, your elbows are in tight. And, and they, they'll know what a T Rex is, but they won't know what a tricep pushdown is straight away. So, if you can then make it like we're a squat, sit on the toilet, they sit back. It's making it more stuff they might do on a day to day basis that they can then bring in and they are, I, I know what he means about him being too technical and confusing me yeah. and now I feel like I'm being taught and it's almost back at school type thing. So they need to enjoy it and kind of, like I said, have a bit of a laugh with it when you can. I guess then on that, it's important to know because you might have some clients that 
really enjoy the T-Rex stuff. Yeah. You might have other clients that really enjoy talking about tits on the table. But then at the same time, you might have clients that want don't, they, they don't really care about being a T-Rex. They want to know the exact elbow yeah. placement or you might be coaching something like a deadlift. They want to know about shoulder retraction and core bracing. Alternatively, you might just have to go just stand up and that might be enough for them. It's it's, it's purely de- mm. dependent on the individual. But I think the important thing with the coach is knowing, as Michael was saying, knowing to use what, when. Who, uh, what works for uh, that person? Because everyone's different. Like I said, some people might for one some others but you learn the person the more you work with them you might find yeah. i've had it one client myself where <clears throat> pardon me but the first session we did was pretty dreadful and i was kind of taking oh, okay and it's taking a bit of time and then two or three later absolutely smashing it because it was almost like a barrier of i'm going to try and teach you but i don't know what way is going to work best for you so that first session is kind of getting to know them learning the basics a little bit and then you can start pushing on from there yeah the, the, another thing that you know you can you you might see it being in a commercial gym more so than the, the what me and joe have for example and is over talking coaches are quiet and they talk when they need to talk right if a client asks you about your personal life in the gym fine Tell them a little bit about your personal life they're in, they're interested in you as a coach they're buying into you remember people buy from people yeah but if you're a PT and you're stood there nattering away chatting to Susan about her dinner in EastEnders she's not performing the exercise correctly and you ultimately aren't coaching right you are just using that as an extension of your social life okay coaches are quiet until they need to coach until something needs correcting don't talk let the client figure out 90% of the time the human body will suss itself out Right, and it will put itself into a position where it needs to be. The other ten percent, you need to be told how to move. Right, you can correct your own movement if you give someone the opportunity to correct their movement. So it's you know, again, that separates hobbyists, career path, you know, trainers or trainers and coaches. It really does break it down into to how you can you can really put yourself out there and get people to understand you. You know, using the T Rex analogies, using you know, tips on the table and using those sorts of things are great, you know, really, really good cues for the young, like the, the, the fun people that really want to make it laugh or even the older generation that just think I need to get into this and they might need a cue that makes them laugh, but they'll understand, you know, um, but yeah. It's definitely finding a balance between kind of, like you said, the hobby and the career is kind of key as well because people need to, some people, they might have a session where they don't do a lot, but they might kind of, you know, Get, get stuff off kind of their chest and kind of talk about stuff that they're weak. They might have had a crap week at work. They might want to just, you know, blow up a bit of steam. So it's definitely, like you said, it's that mental side as well. So they might do a, not do a lot physically in the session. But if they come away thinking, you know, I feel so happy I've spoken to someone and this and that, you might think all we did was a few exercises. But you're so happy now that you can go and enjoy your weekend stress-free. So it's finding that yep. balance between as well with some people. Well, I've read a post and it said there was a number of things about being a PT, but one of them was understand that the, that hour session might be the only hour that person gets for the day. <clears throat> so make sure it's, it's special to them. And someone that, that did my PT course said that that should be the best hour of their day when they're coming in, that yeah. they should be enjoying that. And they should, so it's your, your effort to make them do that. I know people think it's all about taking someone who's 300 pounds down to 150 pounds and completely transforming their body. 
but Michael said oh, it's actually about transforming their life and even if they just come in and, and feel bad they, you might have done half a session with them but if they come in and then leave feeling better than when they came in I was consider that a success yeah. for some people it might be that one the one hour of them time they might kind of you know might be a mum that's got two children works full time and that hour in the gym is kind of the oh I can focus on me and I can just relax because it's, yeah. it's kind of me training it's not I'm not going to start watching the sofa at home. I'm, you know, chatting to someone and just relaxing a little bit, having a bit of me time. Yeah. We all, you know, it's like you're saying, you know, making it the best hour of their day. You know, I know going back to like the hobby and the career, if you, if you, this is a career for you, you will soon, you'll, you'll soon come to understand how you can change that person's life in a short space of time, right? We all understand the benefits of reducing stress, right? and weight loss and muscle gain and how it can affect your life. If you can understand that, being a PT isn't necessarily about taking someone through exercise. It's behavior change, right? Get somebody to change their behavior and all of a sudden they're in the, on, on the path for success, the same as, same as your career. You know, if you can understand what you need to do to get better, you're going to do it. So reduce somebody's stress levels. Smile when they walk in the door. I know PTs that have been in the industry 10 to 15 years and they still act like hobbyists. Right? Why have you been in the industry for so long if that's all you're treating it as? Where's your career path? Natural progression for personal trainers is not a gym owner. You know, natural progression for personal trainers is to change people's lives. Be a coach. You know, take it one step further. If you want to own a gym, own a gym. Right? Make that your goal. But it's not a natural progression for that to happen. You know, if you're in the industry for 15 years, and you still can't smile at somebody when they walk through the door, say hello to another coach. Why are you in the, why are you doing this job? You know, what's not enjoyable about it? You know, and that really does separate good coaches. You could be, you could be a newly qualified PT and be able to walk into a gym with the confidence and the, you know, to be able to talk to everybody. You'd be pulling in clients all over the place just for the person you are. But you're going up against people that have got industry experience, gym floor experience, and they still can't pull in top quality clients because they just can't do what people that want to learn can, you know? So, Michael, how do we fix it? <sighs> Everybody's different. I don't think you can fix it. But what it takes is good quality coaches stepping up and taking, taking control. You know, if you can go into your gym and stand out amongst the crowd, you're doing the right thing. Keep doing it, you know? Um, to be able to be better not necessarily be better but that's like the saying goes you know to be the best you've got to be the best right don't try and beat them just join them at the top and just show them how it's done you know I could go up against somebody with 15 years experience I've probably got more clients than they have already just from the person I am you know that doesn't matter to me that I'm better than that person or I've got more clients what matters to me is that I've changed X amount of people's lives in a short space of time you know, which means I can then go and continue to do that. So you won't fix it. You'll never fix the problems in the fitness industry. You know, people will always buy from what they see, not from who the people are. Have you heard of The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek? I haven't, no. So he talks about the finite game and infinite game. And the example would be an infinite, so a finite game would be trying to be better than someone else. So Microsoft mm. trying to be better than Apple. Yeah, you said this to me before. That didn't yeah. end up very well because Microsoft focused so much on beating Apple that they actually kind of like imploded on themselves. Whereas Apple yeah. were just trying to be better than Apple. 
yeah you know, what you're saying oh. there is it's the same in the fitness industry that you shouldn't worry about the, the good coaches shouldn't worry about what other people are doing or in, is it, i'll tell that back <laughs> anyone you shouldn't worry about what other people are doing try to be better than them because you're going to be so focused on being better than them that you're not going to better yourself what you're yeah. saying is you're playing an infinite game with yourself trying to be better than you each day isn't they say yeah. Apple focus on their customers microsoft focus on apple yeah it's the yeah. simple that's, that it's, it's infinite game versus yeah. versus finite game something i say to myself just be one percent better for each day don't that's don't, all you have to do and this this is this is where like speaking to you two you're both in this as a career right mm-hmm. it's it's a job it's not just a job it's a career it's a lifestyle it's what you do it's what you enjoy but you try and have that conversation with somebody 15 20 years in the industry 10 clients cruises along doesn't really want to progress anymore might have done it back in the day but they're at a dead end now you know, and they're, they're now playing, oh, I've got to compete with these young guns. I've got to be better than this next guy. He's just qualified. Look, he's, you know, I've got to compete all the time. And it's exactly what you're saying. Microsoft, Apple, analogy there that, you know, it doesn't matter how much industry experience you have, you will always compete with the younger guys, the newer guys, because you think they're going to come up and take my job. They're going to come and do it. But if that guy focuses on themselves, they're not even in your league, right? They can just crack on, do their own thing. Um, it took me a while to figure that out. I remember my first month in the industry. I was so, so focused with my first five clients of what everybody else was looking at me that I wasn't concentrating on what I was doing. And it actually took a change in circumstances, me changing gym early on, just coming, you know, all of these things and lockdowns and things like that for me to actually grow as a person and, do, and say, I'm not focusing on what people are thinking of me anymore or how I can be better than the next person. This is my game and I'm going to play my game to the end and I will keep doing it. So if I need to re-educate, I'll re-educate. If I need to, you know, change gym, I'll change gym. If I need to learn, I'll learn. Um, so, you know, you'll never change the problems in the fitness industry, but good coaches will play their own game and, they, and they'll play the long game. Nicely put. Michael, what, people, what can people expect from you in the next 12 months? Um. Well, I'll be getting married. That's uh, that's on the cards. I'll be moving out. General things outside lifestyle stuff, right? People need to see these things. It's life. You know, what can life do for you? Um, in terms of my career, um, biomechanics coaching, uh, level four biomechanics coaching is on the cards and potentially prescript weightlifting coaching. Um, I want to get those two qualifications nailed down um, to better my understanding of movement. Move freely and move well, right? That's, that's uh, me over the next 12 months, mate. <laughs> Lots more education and a lot more reading. Uh, Michael Hayward, everyone. Uh, Mark, any words of wisdom for us today? Uh, no words of wisdom, but I'm sure congratulations on the wedding um, when it happens. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good today. It's been interesting. It's nice to kind of talk about stuff. Whether it is always positive or negative, it's good to kind of, you know, sometimes you need to say what isn't always amazing. But no, apart from that, not really today. AJ, for you. I'm trying to think of a clever quote, but all that's my head today. No. Can't never read off a spot just yet. But anyway, Michael, <laughs> thank you very much for giving up your time. I know you're a busy man. No, thank you very much for having me. And you know, I'll tell you what, I'm more than happy to come on and chat about more things um in the future if you need me to. I think we could definitely get really, part really enjoyed it. I reckon. Michael, thank you very much. Everyone that's listening, thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Cheers.
Thank you.